0: Welcome to Celebration Church's podcast. We hope this helps you to know God better and trust Him more. To learn more about Celebration Church, please visit us at celebrationchurchlive.com. We're now into um, what is our third part of our series that we have simply called Raising the Bucket. And with with the overall concept of of learning to love deeper. God has called us as his people to love deeper. And we've been looking at a passage of scripture um, to help us understand and to reframe what this means. And so before we get into that, I want you to go ahead and get your Uversion app open, get your bulletin open. We're going to crank into this together. Uh, We've looked at this concept multiple times that the love of, of God has raised us up to love others more than we ever thought possible. Most of us recognize there are limits to our love. I'll love you until X. I'll love you until here. And God's called us to love like he loves, to love in this radical, almost reckless kind of way where we're not Preserving ourselves. This reckless word sounds like it's not caring. But this concept is is that we so want to protect ourselves and protect our hearts. And I will love if there's a high probability that I'm not going to get hurt. Well, guess what? That's still you loving yourself more than others. You're still making sure you're covered instead of making sure others are covered. And that's exactly what we're going to be honing in on today. Hebrews... Chapter 6, verse 10 says, God is not unjust and he will not forget your work and the love that you have shown him as you have helped his people and continue to help them. I love this that as you and I love on and connect with one another, that we are showing and showing God that we love him. Cutie and I last night, we had a, a fairly chill evening at home. But it was really neat because yesterday it was a blessing that our kids were loving on us and they did not know it because our older kids had reached out to some of our younger teenagers and said, hey, won't you come spend some time with me? Why don't you come hang out with me? And so Brooklyn took uh, Lulu and, and one of their mutual friends to go to Six Flags for the day in San Antonio. It's it's a benefit of having a college graduate as a sister and you get to go and have some fun in high school. And, and so. But I loved it. I loved it as a dad. It, she was, Brooklyn didn't know it, but she was showing me and cutie love by wanting to include her sister. I got a call from Carson yesterday saying, Dad, do you need me? I was mowing and working on the house, and he's like, Keenan asked if I didn't have anything going on. He wanted to hang out with me, and I'm like, no, hang out with your brother. And so, and man, I tell you what, it just, I felt the love. I personally felt loved because my children were loving on one another. God loves it. He feels the love when we love on one another. And there is tension when we are at one another's throats. Folks, all you have to do is tip your toe into the Christian blogosphere. And you will see how kind and sweet we are to one another. The more distant, a little bit of a, of a veil, you get a little bit of what's called keyboard courage. And all of a sudden we start what the scriptures say calls biting and devouring one another. It happens all the time, and folks. It just shouldn't be. God loves it when we love on each other. And then so many times when we think about loving on each other, we think about that, that, those close loves. Now, my, I'm thankful that my children enjoy spending time with one another. But family's not the only people they're called to love. When we immediately think about love, we immediately think about the people we love the most. But where the scriptures and Jesus in particular challenges you and I is to love on a different level. And let's go back to Matthew chapter 25, verse 34, one more time. Jesus, this is one of his longer parables. He says, then the, then the king will say to those on his right... And then the righteous will answer, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in or need clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go visit you? And the king will reply, Truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. Whatever you did, For the least, you did for me. And one more time, just so we're all in this room on the same turf, God does not have a least list. God loves all his children the same. So why on earth does he say, Whatever you've done to the least, you've done to me. If God doesn't have this little chart and he says, Okay, well these people are great to me and these people are pretty low to me and you need to figure out who my low is and treat them decent." No, that's not the scale. It's, you know who has a lease list? You and I do. We have a people we prefer to spend our time with. We have a people we we would jump to meeting a financial need for them that we would literally give them our last hundred dollars and we would figure out our finances ourselves. We all have people we would do that for. If you don't, Lord, you're in the right place. You need some family. You need some friends. And This is what this place can be for you. Yeah, but we should all have that. Yeah. Here's a problem. We all have the other end of the spectrum too. We have people we wouldn't spend an extra little bit of time on. We wouldn't give a second notice to. We certainly wouldn't spend any of our resources on And Jesus says, whatever you've done to those people in that list of yours, however you've treated the bottom rung, that's how you've treated me. And that's why we've used this bucket. Because each one of these little wooden boards represents somebody in our life. And, you know, we tend to look and see all the nice, pretty tall ones and people we surround ourselves with and the people we tend to look at. But then as we move along, we begin to recognize that, man, there's, Somebody that, somebody that doesn't, I, I don't like quite as much. And then there's those, the men I have a really hard time with. And you and I all know the capacity of this bucket is that. That's its capacity. That's the love. That's our mark. And what Jesus is calling us to do is to just let this grow. Let this increase. And so that's what we're wanting to do, and that's why this is so incredibly challenging, because those people are very, very different than us. They go into their polling place, and they vote very differently than we do. They make very different decisions with their money than we make. They make very different decisions with their time than we make. And all of a sudden we begin to look and we begin to think, you know what? If you would shift some of these bad decisions, man, your life would begin to turn around and I might like you a little more and then all of a sudden you'll come up in my love bucket. What we're saying is that we want to play God and we want to make you more in our image. And then I'll love you a little more instead of recognizing they were made in God's image. And I'm called to love that image of God. I turn this into self worship instead of God worship. God is calling us to love Him. Him, Him, Him. And call to love others. And call to love others. This worked on the other end of the spectrum as well Matthew 25, 45. We didn't, don't have to recap the whole thing. It's the same story, but they didn't do it. And he says, when did we not do this to you? And he says, when you didn't do it for the least. You didn't do it for me. Today, as we track along this, and we kind of take some of these bite-sized things out, that one of the things that is called upon is that when I was naked, you clothed me. And that clothing someone restores both dignity and identity. You are wearing... The clothes you are wearing because they, you believe they fit you. You are comfortable in them. You reached into your closet and, if you know, what well, we had to go on a trip this, this last week and we had to take a whole lot of clothes because Cutie didn't know what she was going to feel like that day. Can't anticipate that. So you have to have four cl- outfits per day. Because she goes to the dill, and this is what I feel like today. And so, but it's representative, you know. Some of you would like, you know, I, I would never wear those skinny jeans like Keenan with the knee ripped out. You're not wearing those. They're not you. Keenan looks at your pants and says, I wouldn't be caught dead in your pants. <laughs> my, my, my cold corpse would shimmy them off <laughs> if you put them on me. And those those clothes, our clothes represent us. We see it in uniforms. We see it in that. But aside that, you have a uniform. Cutie picks on me because I have a uniform. She knows if I go to grab a shirt, it's probably going to be blue. I show her, hey, we go to one of our favorite stores, and I say, hey, look what I found on sale. She's like, oh, amazing. It's blue. It's blue. And so I've got blue with some pink. I'm trying. the green jacket. I'm trying. But we all have these default things, and, and this clothing is understanding and restoring both dignity and identity. Matthew 25:36, "I need to clothes and you clothe me. I want us to, to look at Isaiah 61, verse 10. And a lot of, if you've been in church for a while, you're familiar with the first part of Isaiah 61 because Jesus grabs it and stands up when he begins his ministry and he quotes from it. And I will remind you of the beginning of Isaiah 61. It says, the spirit of the Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom to the captives and release from darkness darkness. To the prisoners This sounds like Jesus is called to what most people would classify, people in the least. We keep reading and we get down to Isaiah 61:10. He says, "I delight greatly in the Lord. my soul rejoices in my God, for He has clothed me with garments of salvation and arrayed me in a robe of His righteousness." As a bridegroom adorns his head like a priest, and a bride adorns herself with jewels. Just like on the best day of your life, the most important day of your life, the wedding day, that you make sure every hair is in place, everything's on, everything is exactly right, and you do it to yourself, he says, God, dress me up just like that. He's the one that did it. I didn't have to do it for myself. He took me and he dressed me up for like it was the most important thing ever in these garments of salvation and this robe of righteousness. He's the one that did it. He's the one that did it. If we remember the crucifixion story, that Jesus was stripped. They hated him so bad they wanted him fully humiliated and they stripped his clothes. His clothes were good. They refused to tear them. They actually shot some dice for him. But they stripped him. And we, because we have a tender society and tender eyes, we don't put our Lord up on our crucifixes and in our artistry the way he hung. He did not have a loincloth. He did not have the cloth wrapped around him. We do that to help preserve some dignity for that. But it was total humiliation Jesus our Lord and Savior hung completely bare and completely naked ridiculed and dejected humiliated in every way humanity could try to humiliate him and Jesus took it on why? why did Jesus allow himself to be disrobed so that you and I could be re-robed he allowed himself to be disrobed so you and I could be re-robed you and I were the ones that had no dignity. You and I were the ones that had no identity. You and I were the ones that were kicked out and ashamed and we were too clueless to know it. We were the emperor parading around in our new clothes. We were. And Jesus saw right through it. And he said, I will lay mine down so I can place some new ones on you. While we didn't deserve it, while it was not ours, so that we could have this garment of salvation and this robe of of righteousness, and he did it for us to give us dignity and identity again. And he has called us to do the same. I want to quickly jump over to a place so we have to understand humility, so we can understand what we're being called to, to live in. Okay, let's look at Micah six It Says he has shown you, O mortal, what is good, and what does the Lord require of you? But to act justly, to love mercy, and to walk. Humbly with your God to walk humbly with your God, Keenan. I need your help right quick. My pastor, helped me understand this passage of scripture by this very illustration that we're going to do. Kenan has his jacket on; it's not as warm as mine. It's got a little hole in it, and uh, it and so, uh, <laughs> but to understand that God loves justice is to understand this concept that I can't look at Keenan's coat and decide that I want to act half my age and decide to wear that thing and take it from him and rob him of his coat. Justice says you have your coat and I have my coat. And that there's something completely wrong for me to see what you have and for me to take it to myself there's messed up it's jacked up which is why you and I have a justice system but this is where it stops america does not have a mercy system we have a justice system we have a justice system just to stop things just enough so that you don't go around taking my stuff and I don't go around taking your stuff but it's not enough it's not enough See, there's this place to where I need to borrow your jacket, son. (laughs) But then there's this thing that's called mercy. And it's nice and chilly and act act like you're cold, son. (laughs) (laughs) And I've got my coat and I've got my coat. I have two coats. And justice says I can have both my coach. They're mine. Justice says I can have them. But mercy begins to call me to something else. That I see my brother freezing and I take what was rightfully mine and I place it on him and now we're both warm. Now we're both warm. And that's what mercy does. Mercy says, I will take some of mine and of my plenty, and I will put it into your gap, and we're both covered. Now I want you to take that jacket, and I want you to throw it down. But humility goes another step. He's cold. <laughs> and justice says... I get to keep this coat. It's mine. You were dumb. You should have checked the weather. You got an app. I'm cozy. You're foolish. But then mercy starts to go, I need to do something. But all I got is the one coat. And now I've... Only one of us is going to be warm. And humility says, I would rather you be warm than me be warm. That I, as a Christ follower, believe that God is going to supply all my needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. And that's not the last coat I'm ever going to have in my life. And I can place a coat on someone else and prefer someone else over myself. There's justice, mercy, and humility. Thank you. For you and I to begin to live this thing out and see our love bucket grow and love deeper, we have to understand that justice is a great starting place, but it is not enough. And mercy is a wonderful next step, but it is not enough. God has called us to live this beautiful thing of Christ-like humility. And Jesus tells his followers in Luke chapter 6, verse 29. He says, if someone takes your coat, they have violated justice. They have violated it. They've taken the coat. They've stepped all over Micah 6 8 and they don't have a clue of what is right in God's eyes, and they've taken your coat. There's this, still this place you still have a shirt. And Jesus says, Go all the way straight to humility and give them your shirt too. Go all the way. Go all the way. He has called us to live radically different, radically different than our culture around us. And until we can begin to love others, we won't get it. And we have to begin to love on this level. See, when we are clothed in humility, we can clothe others in love and dignity. 1 Peter 5, 5 says, in the same way, you who are younger, submit yourselves to your elders, all of you clothe yourselves with humility towards one another because God opposes the proud but shows favor to the humble. I need Kenan and Mauricio again. Kenan and Mauricio for the first time. We're going to go back to Genesis chapter 9 and if you've been around church for any length of time it's going to be a little, uh, a little story you know well. We're going to talk about a man named Noah. Noah was a righteous man, and and society went sideways. God called him to build this this ark, this place of salvation, and he builds it. Him and his whole family are preserved. And and then the floodwaters recede, and and life begins to be restored, and, and Noah plants a vineyard. And there in Genesis chapter 9, Noah plants a vineyard, and out of that vineyard he makes some wine, and it was not... A um, little Christian wine. It was the, the wine, wine. <laughs> and he drank too much wine, wine. And he got drunk. Uh, Noah, righteous Noah, got naked drunk. Read it for yourself. Genesis chapter 9. He is naked in his tent. And his son, Ham, goes in and sees his dad naked. Stay clothed, but be, be Noah. Okay. I need your head at the other end. There we are. Lay down. All right. He is passed out, naked drunk. Okay? And uh, and Ham comes in, Ham comes in and sees him, and it's like, oh. And he comes in and he, he, scriptures say he went and told his brothers, Seth and Japheth. And they come over here. Come over here, Seth. And they find out. So all of a sudden, he has thrown aside his own dignity. He has done something foolish. Now Ham knows something about it and he goes and he runs his mouth. We know what that's called gossip. Come on. It is eats up church life people life everywhere he goes gossip he's the one that did it is it true daddy noah passed out drunk naked it's all true not a bit of it a lie but there was another response japheth and seth find out about it and they take a blanket and you to turn backwards Scriptures say they put it on their shoulders. You're going to have to hold it, buddy. It ain't going to hold itself. We didn't practice. And they get a blanket. And they walk in backwards so they do not see his shame. And they throw the blanket. Oh, there we go. It was probably a skin and better job than that. And they, they refuse to look. And they walk in backwards and cover His shame. Thank you guys. Folks, you and I. You and I. When there's a place where somebody has thrown aside the image of God in themselves. That is beautiful and regal and dignified. And had done something less than their highest calling. And you and I find out about it. We have a decision. We can either be ham and we can go and we can let everybody know or we can come alongside and we can say, nope, I refuse to even be an eyewitness to this and I will cover it up and those guys never knew if it was true or not. They didn't see. He could have been covered, they never knew. And they chose to cover. Folks, rarely do you and I run across someone in our culture, in our society, there are other cultures and other societies that missionaries have to literally clothe the naked, but in the United States, we don't have to do this. But you and I as Christ followers have to do this on a spiritual level all the time. That there are people who have, who have laid themselves bare, they have thrown aside all their dignity, and you and I have to choose to respond in a way that honors God and honors them. Luke, Fifteen it says, so he got up and he went to his father. This is the prodigal son. It says, so he got up and he went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, the father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. And he ran to his son and his, threw his arms around him and kissed him. Remember, he had been feeding swine. That had been his job as his senses came to him. And he comes to him and he throws his arms around him and kissed him. And he has not said a word yet. He hasn't said a word yet. He hugs him and kisses him and hasn't said a word. Now, the son pipes up, and the son said to him, he had a rehearsed speech. He says, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father finally speaks. He finally speaks. He says, Father said to his servants, Quick. Bring the best robe and put it on him. And put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. He didn't say, son, go take a bath. And then we got some, we'll put you back in the family. We'll put the robe back on you. We'll put the ring back on you, but go take a bath. Go get some of this stuff fixed. You've made some mistakes and you've made some bad choices and the stink of that is still hanging on you and I need you to deal with that. Nope. He said, put the robe on him. Put the robe on him. And that big old robe, all of a sudden, all of that that had been dealt with that would eventually be cleaned out. He's not going to live that way in his father's house the rest of his life. But as daddy reintroduces him, It is fully a son and it is fully as part of the family. And that is his first response is to re-robe him. Our Heavenly Father's first response is to re-robe us. In fact, he's been doing it since the fall of man. Genesis chapter 3 verse 7, it says, And the eyes of both of them were opened and they realized that they were naked and they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Immediately, as soon as the shame came on, they wanted some covering. They took some leaves and they put it together. And then the Lord, in verse 21, the Lord made garments of skin for Adam and Eve and his wife, and he clothed them. Until they were going to be able to place where humanity was going to be able to have the garment of salvation and the robe of righteousness through Jesus Christ, God even intervened in the middle and gave them some dignity and some identity in that place. God has always been in that place. has always been in that place of doing that. So many times we want to, secrets come out and gossip goes out because we want to expose somebody. Because we want to expose somebody. And God has called us. No, no, no. No, no, no. Do we need when we're called upon by the justice system and whatnot to be, to be statements, state facts? Absolutely. But you and I should never be running our mouths, exposing people. We ought to be agents of love and mercy. So what's our next step? Our next step is restore dignity to someone you have diminished. We all have diminished someone. That's why they're on our least list. That's why they're down there. So restore some dignity. It may come from having an apologetic conversation. It may come from stopping yourself of saying those people or that people who make those choices or these different things. And maybe it just begins in that moment. But you've got to begin to restore some dignity to someone that you have diminished. Folks, our bottom line, our bottom line is dare to share. Be willing to prefer others above ourselves. We need to allow the Holy Spirit to increase our love for those that we love the least. Thanks for listening to this week's message from Celebration Church. We hope you'll stay connected by following us online. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter.